Welcome to episode 48 of the Mountainland Running Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Heiderscheidt from the University of Wisconsin Sports Medicine. And here with my co-host, Mountainland Physical Therapist, Jeremy Stoker. Jeremy, four years, dude. 40 four years. Episode 48. That's pretty awesome. I, I, I think you guys have done a nice job going through this. It's been fun to see it and just have all the guests we've had. And yeah, we're, we're, we're just, we're lucky and it's fortunate that it keeps on going. And uh, it's great to have people like, uh, like we have Dr. Kravak today. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I just love that it just keeps going. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm really glad people keep coming back. At least I think they're coming back and listening yeah. to us. I'm guessing they're not listening to us as much as our guests because our guests are awesome. You're right. Right. Um, I think they pretty much just want us to shut up and get in there to introduce them at this point. So you said right. it, not me, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, as you all know, we this year's uh, Running Medicine Summit, the Mountainland Running Medicine Summit, which is an annual event. This is year number five. Uh, just due to the, the world issues right now with travel and gatherings, uh, we have, as you know, moved into an online format for this year. But nonetheless, we have phenomenal guests. Uh, it will be a live event October 2nd and 3rd with awesome speakers. So make sure you register online. Uh, check us out at summit.mlrehab.com for the full uh, agenda and speakers that'll be uh, taking part. As always, send questions and feedback to podcast at mlrehab.com. Very much appreciate hearing your thoughts and uh, having any suggestions for future guests. All right. Well, today we are joined by Dr. Brian Krabeck from the University of Washington. And if you've heard prior podcasts, you know that he is uh, not, uh, or he's, he's not new to the podcast. He's actually one of our favorite guests and frequent flyers. So I'm going to give you the rundown on his background anyway, because even though you, I'm sure you know who he is. But Brian Krabeck is physician and clinical professor at the University of Washington and Seattle Children's Sports Medicine. He is an internationally recognized expert in sports medicine, provided sports medicine care and lecturing throughout the world. His sports medicine experiences have included the Olympics, the 2012 U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials, 2010 Vancouver Games, 2004 Athens Games, 2002 Salt Lake Games, the 1820 Games. Uh, I think it goes back probably even to 1700s, if I remember right. Uh, he's the team physician for U.S. National Swim Team, and he's a collegiate sports uh, expert and primarily with the University of Washington, not the real UW, which is Wisconsin, but that other UW on the West Coast. Uh, he has a particular focus on the prevention and treatment of running-related injuries in youth, including training recommendations. Brian is a repeat guest at the Mountland Running Summit, having presented at our inaugural event in 2016, coming back the following year in 2017, and we are very pleased to have him back for this year's Running Summit in October. Welcome, Brian, and thank you for squeezing time out of your schedule to join us. Hey, thanks guys for having me back. And it's always a pleasure to be here. Congratulations on your, your four years. I, I, I feel like I'm the uh, a founding father in some exactly. sense here, which I think puts me in like 17 something, I think <laughs> when I first started there. And I probably worked an Olympic game back then too, or, you know, I probably ran up a mountain or something as well. Uh, so very excited to be here. Um, Broadcasting from the real UW University of Washington, but uh, oh, there we go, go again. Here we'll we keep go. This Coming going. back. Full That's circle. okay. You know, we could say I'd say we play each other football, but hey, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen with who that? Knows? So, who so, knows? Who so knows at all? Yeah, it's an interesting, challenging world. But hey, we're here. I'm excited to be back, 
and happy to really talk about youth running and discuss things today. It's going to be a lot of fun. Lot For of sure. To catch I mean, up on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you are an official member of the Mountainland family. So having you as part of the group is, and back again this year, we are super excited to do it. And, and having you on as a podcast guest right now is ideal because it gives us a chance to give people a little bit of a, of a uh, overview of what you're going to talk about at the summit. Yeah, which would be great. I did come up with an idea, though. You know, if you made a 3D hologram of each of us, you could probably <laughs> portray that, and then it, we could still do social distancing and, and, and stuff. Yeah. So maybe we can work on that for the next uh, next year. Yeah, I think <laughs> if I was able to do that, I might move on to something different. No, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I might be up there with Elon Musk trying to compete for new opportunities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you might be. And you can hang out with Tupac, because I think he had a 3D hologram at one point. Is that right? Well, you know, then I, I would think I know yeah. a little culture stuff. So. <laughs> Way more than I do. <laughs> so, all right. So cool. Well, it, we obviously everybody knows your your work, and and I had a, a bit of a background for them. But maybe if you don't mind, again, just kind of giving people a little bit of a snippet of uh, what you've been doing over the years, and and how you got interested in running, and really what led you into youth running as being an area of of particular interest. Yeah, so like most of us, we, we, we start our career trying to figure out our, our, our pathway, and um, I've always been involved in sports in some capacity. Um, actually, one of my fondest memories that runs into running has to do with uh, in high school where I played soccer, we had a long-distance running coach who had made the entire team run a six-minute mile. And if you couldn't run a six-minute mile, you had to run. The whole team had to run it again, which which doesn't sound bad, but but we didn't necessarily have goalkeepers who ran that quickly. Um, so, uh, but it was interesting. I was introduced not necessarily to cross-country running, but it, uh, but distance running in the sense of a, a different sport, which actually, if you think about specialization and some of these things, it was, it was a nice overlap for that. So I'm not that traditional runner, but as I moved on in life, I, I, running was always a part of physical fitness for me. And later in life, I really started to get interested in long distance events. Not a sprinter at all. I'm in for the long distance there. So I started to get involved um, in participating, you know, like a lot of people, I, hey, I want to do a 10K. I want to do a half marathon. I want to get involved in doing a marathon. So then I did a marathon and met a group of people who were like, well, marathon, you got to keep going. And then entered the world of ultra marathons as such. And with that started that intellectual understanding of, of you know, what, what are we doing here? What am I doing to my body? What am I, what's the physiology behind this? Should I be running 100 miles? Is that a good thing, you know, like my running up and down a mountain and then add a layer of that from the, the intellectual side to, to having children. And, and to this day, one of the things that really um, struck me and started this pathways was when my daughter was uh, five, she's actually a gymnast. She's a gymnast, starts doing gymnastics, but we do a family fun run and right. You run, you run a course over a course of a mile mm -hmm. and you kind of go through different obstacles and then we finished and she was just beaming she's and it's like let's do it again and I'm like all right we're a healthy family we're gonna run again <laughs> so we run the whole second mile and she beams and comes through and everyone's cheering because it's a little fun kid thing and she's like let's do it again <laughs> and then my brain's like whoa like what are 
three three miles, five-year-old, like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Should I be do, pushing this? But I know she's been training and I know she's self-motivated. And, and that started the process for me for thinking, um, you know, what should we be telling our kids about youth running and, and what are the risks or the myths, right? Um, or, or what are the benefits of all of this? Fortunately, she didn't do three miles because I had to pay for it again. And my daughter thought that that was too expensive to pay the extra $2 or something, which is a relative term. But it started that process of thinking a little bit more about youth running and, and the physiology and what's going through. And, and it's led to this wonderful pathway where I've had the opportunity to not only speak on this, but really collaborate with researchers and experts like our own Dr. Heiderscheid there, who, um, in, in trying to tackle this question, because I, again, I think there isn't much out there as we'll explore throughout this. And so, so that started the, my pathway and, and, and our hope today is just to start a dialogue and a message and be mindful of what we're doing, especially in a world, it's a, it's a crazy world, uh, pre-COVID with how kids are involved in youth sports um, and we're adapting to a new world of what that means uh, in regards to exercise. So, so, you know, let's go and explore that today. So, yeah. Oh, that's a perfect setup. And, you know, I think it's really what you hit on is exactly right, which is, you know, here you are obviously a sports medicine physician expert and you're struggling with what's the right thing to do in how to advise your own child on running. Imagine that what the general population is thinking about when, you know, they, they're left with all the different variables and not having that scientific or clinical background to be able to decipher what's credible, what's not, what's, what's myth uh, that's been uh, propagated over the years versus actually some evidence behind it. So, yeah, I mean, this is definitely a ripe area and you've, you've uh, started to peel back the layers for sure. Yes. Yeah. Like as they say in Shrek, it's like the onion peeling back the different layers. <laughs> See, I got to bring in some more stuff. It's been, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, anyway. it, and you look at your papers that you've done, in the, especially in like the last five years or so, you know, a lot of good, you know, narrative reviews on what, what we know in the literature, where the, where the gaps are to some extent, but really getting kind of a, a, a bird's eye view of what we're dealing with. Um, and, then more recently, what in the last, I think it was probably two years ago mm-hmm. now, maybe when you first really started pulling them together, you and, you know, you're, you're uh, spearheading it along with like Bill Roberts and Adam 1040 were key members with it as well, if I remember right. Was there, was there anybody else? Those were the top three, right? Those were three, yeah. So, yep. so with this conversation, um, started that narrative, and, and that's where it first sets. Let me, what do we know from a narrative standpoint about yeah. youth running, right? And then um, we've been really honored to work with experts in the field, um, of which Dr. Uh, Adam 1040 and Will Roberts and myself have been initially started a, a dialogue and brainstorm, and then have brought in really like 20 worldwide, 20 plus worldwide experts to start tackling this questions of what do we know, not just from a narrative standpoint, from an evidence-based standpoint, let's start tackling some areas of interest, um, and then coming up with um, recommendations and identifying knowledge gaps as well. 
Um, so I think that's uh, I think it's a great opportunity. And over the course of the, the past year and a half, you know, we've now explored and gone through to answer some questions. As I mentioned, Dr. Heiderscheidt's part of that crew, and I want to thank him for that opportunity as well. But but let's figure out what we've learned so we we can provide some evidence and guidelines, and then challenge the research community. Um, to then figure out uh, where are the knowledge gaps and what else can we do uh, to, to provide more information so that in a year or two from now, we have better information to, to help our athletes and our parents and our coaches and everyone else. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's really where, where it's at. And, it, you know, in terms of the group that you pulled together and whatnot, thanks for the invitation to be part of that. I'm certainly honored to be, to be included in that group. Um, and it was a great experience. I mean, to have, a, you know, a number of individuals sitting around uh, a, a conference table at some of at international meetings, going through the summary of the literature, their systematic review findings, reaching consensus on certain recommendations. That was a, a very elaborate process. Obviously, there's a little... You know, you, you want to make it as objective as possible, and I think you you did exactly that uh, as well as you can in, the, in those sort of circumstances, and then continue to move the, the needle with where we are able to identify those gaps and advance the field. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it's such a fun process, and like anything, you know, I, I, mean, I learned a lot from the experts that we, we utilized, and uh, we learned to disagree on some specific <laughs> points, <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, the beauty was that there was a lot of things we agreed upon, which was yeah. great, and there are some things that, that we were sort of opposite sides, but what I appreciate, especially in this day and age, that people were mindful and respectful of those opinions. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're willing to sort of work and compromise on, on the message. Um, and then I think felt in, empowered to then move forward and say, all right, well, I, I have had this kind of view. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try and tackle that now because it, it's not as clear. So yeah, yeah, it's a great process. And, and, uh, you know, we hope to have a, a little bit more in regards to some, uh, consensus guidelines announcements in the in the near future. So yeah, uh, looking forward to it. And I think it's probably in the near future. You're right. So it, when you put this together, of course, when you're thinking about recommendations for youth running, you have to be fairly holistic in how you approach it. It can't just be singularly focused on, for example, running form or training habits or nutrition. You know, you had to come at it with what do we know on this big. Uh, picture view with respect to, you know, are there certain prevention strategies that we know of that may prevent injury? How important is strength with youth running? How important is uh, nutrition? How important is bone mineral density? And, you know, and really start to, to have all those different layers as we described uh, to be able to make some recommendations or to reveal where those, where those gaps are. So how did you how did you really structure the the organization of this uh, yeah. approach? Yeah, that's a great question because um, our first base we wanted to make sure what we knew is evidence based kind of materials and the the 
background of, of youth running has to do with the changes that are going on in those individuals, right? So, so kids who are going from pre-adolescence towards adolescence and adulthood are going to go through a variety of body changes. So we try to um, focus on this transition period and how that would initially impact injury. That was our first start. So we have this category of injury prevention, given the, the interest uh, that we had before in trying to prevent injury. Isn't that the long-term goal? Mm -hmm. um, so, so when I think of a that those anatomical physiologic changes going on, and then think about preventing injury, you could think break that down traditionally into sort of your intrinsic and intrinsic factors that go into that. So, really, we just started basically with that that pillar. Um, so that's about injury prevention. And then we sort of expanded that to say, okay, well, that's about injury prevention, but the, there's a complexity to all this that includes not just injury, but issues of um, nutrition and bone health. So we kind of made another pillar related to that as well. Cardiac health, these kind mm -hmm. of other issues that play a role, uh, right? Because if you have poor nutrition, if you mm -hmm. have poor cardiovascular, you're going to run into issues with injury. So that was, um, they all tied together. So that's a second column. And then our third process was basically, what are we advising people, right? So we want to prevent injury and we want to think about all the things that are supportive, um, including nutrition, cardiac, mental health, uh, which will tie into a little bit more. But then what are some concrete guidelines we could have? Like, like should these kids be running? Which goes mm -hmm. back to my experience with my daughter wanting to run some more. Like, what's appropriate? What, what, what's our goal in regards to, to play and activity? And then how does running play a role in that? And then how are we advising people? Because, um, you know, everybody and their friend has a thought about how many miles their kids should run. And we wanted to look at those three columns basically from an evidence-based way. So we, we put some very specific structures and how we then did our literature search. And what we basically spin in a bunch of specific terms and over the, on the injury prevention side, we, we came up with some some good literature, some like like randomized or prospective studies to try and figure out how to tackle these issues. And we identified a lot of knowledge gaps where it came to, towards some of the other issues in regards to long-term health, nutrition. Um, there's some great work on nutrition and things like female athlete or energy deficit, but it's not as specific to running, right? And we wanted to say, we are focused on youth running. There's a, mm -hmm. there, there's a bunch of information that's available on adults. And this is one of the things we struggled mm -hmm. with, as you know, Brian, which is we kept this to youth runners, runners under 18 years old. And we didn't want to just extrapolate data from adults to kids because they're not the same, mm -hmm. right? There's a big difference in that. So we spent a lot of time actually in those first early years um, sort of defining the groundwork of, of what were the topics we wanted answer and what was our methodology for working through that and in this case not making a narrative anymore but distilling in the evidence base and there's a lot of discussion right so, several several people are tied to some of the research that we had and we had to sit right. there and say like hey that's a that's an interesting start but that's very retrospectively let's move let's move past that and when it came to some of this appropriateness of running and stuff there's even less less information so so we methodically went through and then set up multiple meetings that um, 
came to a head with basically several in-person meetings when you could meet in person at the time to really really sort of hash out the nuances of all this. Is each expert was designed to challenge to present information um, and and be thoughtful in regards to crafting what the evidence show and then crafting specific statements as you know and mm -hmm. and i think it just i think it worked really well in regards to what we came up with but but it was sort of this columned approach and and we tried to be as comprehensive as we could but the reality is we we still have some things to tackle mm -hmm. um, in regards to the sort of the cognitive, the mental health stuff. There, there's really not much out there. So, mm -hmm. so our goal is like this is a just stepping stone towards more future uh, areas to to address. Yeah, no, I thought it was really interesting to be able to, like you said, to, if if you pull away and exclude any of the adult running research, because as you mentioned, you really that's it's it's apples and oranges that we're talking about. So when you focus just on adolescent or youth running, and on what we know on that, it was really quite interesting to see how much of the how much evidence there is for for very specific recommendations versus those that seem to have evolved out of the adult running world right right, right yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah that was fascinating to see right because people and, and and we were very disciplined because people would say well in youth we should do this because in adults i'm like nah it's yeah. like it's almost like being on a jury and being like sorry strack you know strict take that from the record you can't yeah, talk right. about that at all and people had it was yeah, i mean you were there it was yeah. it was fascinating to see and, and it and and people would get upset and be like, but, but wait, wait, you know, and my 20 year olds, it does this. I'm like, that's yeah. great. But 20 year olds and 10 year olds are not the same. And, right. and that's our challenge. So we had to be, so that's why I, you know, I really look forward to, to, to these discussions because, because it wasn't like we just all got together and gave each other a big hug and said, this is great. <laughs> I'm just going to take, right. you know, you're a world expert in X. We're going to just right. take your, you know, you know, everybody, did a very thoughtful critique of each other's work. And I think that's what you need to have successful consensus statement. So uh, it was a great process to go through. Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to, like you say, you know, there's, it's going to be have uh, a real impact, I think, in terms of giving people a, a single concise snapshot of where we are at with youth running, um, you know, and, and uh, it, with, with specific recommendations. So along those lines, was there any one recommendation that kind of struck you at all as being um you know, a little more challenge, either a, a little more challenging to craft, or b might might challenge really popular opinion more so than some of the others. Yeah, I think um, one of the areas, and this is Brian, with some of the, the the thoughts that you have, one of the things that surprised me the most um, was in relation to kind of footwear, foot strike, mm -hmm. and the biomechanics of that, um, and, 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 and how that affects the kinetic chain and strength in the hips. So if I step back, and I think a lot of the, the individuals I see when they walk in with runners, right, we're always looking at their biomechanics. We ask questions about, have you been injured before? What's your training like? Uh, blah, 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 which is where a lot of the you know, youth research stuff goes. Um, mm -hmm. But when, when we, when I see an adult, you know, we're, everybody has glute medius weakness, everybody has hip flexor tightness, we spend all this time on the biomechanics, what kind of shoes are you wearing, what's the, you know, are you 
midfoot or heel foot or, you know, let's move from minimalist to two, right? There's a lot of stuff that you yeah. see the research going there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where, um, and there's some great research going on mm -hmm. there, not to do that. Mm -hmm. But but in trying to look at that in the youth, that's where, I, you know, I was surprised to see, wow, we don't really perhaps know as much as, as we think we do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we're, we're doing is extrapolating to, to young children and and let's face it like there's people who run around the world with no shoes and they're doing great and we're going to learn from that information i look forward for um the work being done there um but i i'm a physical medicine and rehab physician right there are whole things about flexibility and, and strength and collaborating with physical therapists and 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 yet when you sort of look at the data in regards to understanding some of these things it's not there right right you know um we, we talk a lot about youth running, right? Single leg stance and a uniplanar movement and, and the role of multiplanar neuromuscular control. And yeah, we have all yeah. these wonderful discussions on that, but if you distill it down to the evidence in youth running, it's, there's a big echo. Yeah. Right? right. There's not stuff there. And, and so what I found most fascinating in this experience was just people are very passionate and leaders in, in these concepts. But when you started to, challenge them about what do we really know evidence-based and you kind of forced them into our criteria it became apparent and even a little surprising for me because i thought we'd have a little bit more information that, that a lot of that's really just narrative thought consent you know processes and not not truly evidence-based um, and people would argue well, I think this is evidence-based. And then we would say, well, it's, it, you know, that's a case control. It's not, that's not a perspective right. kind of study. So I thought that was kind of a, a fascinating, uh, and probably the one thing that sort of stands out uh, the most. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, Brian. You were part of this. Would you? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, absolutely. Thanks. I would say that the one thing that struck me a bit was, and you've already alluded to a little bit, I'm going to go off of my wheelhouse area of, of biomechanics and and talk about the role of strength even, you know, is is, is being stronger protective or more beneficial, right, in terms of injury risk. Right. And granted, you know, there, there are a, a few smaller prospective studies done in that area. So by no means is this a definitive answer, but what it prevented us from doing was making a definitive recommendation. Right. You know, if you look at the evidence only, it came down to, well, some suggested a couple studies said that, yeah, you that if you had stronger uh, hip musculature, for example, or, or quadricep musculature, then you had reduced injury risk. Right. But then you found another paper uh, of similar well-designed that would right. say, well, actually, if you had greater strength of certain hip muscles, then you're at increased risk you know, for certain, for types of injuries. And so right. it, you know, making a simple recommendation becomes, becomes very difficult to do. Um, but if you limit it to the evidence only now, I think most of us would argue, it makes no sense that if you're stronger, how could you possibly be at greater risk for injury? Right. But it's not, it's not necessarily a cause effect as much as it could be a, a symptom of a compensation, right? They're right. stronger because they're running a certain way that may therefore not, you know, may relate to injury risk. So creating a study that is able to capture all of those multifactorial interactions that might be present, it's a, that's a, a, a big, big challenge to take big on. Big challenge, yeah. And that's a great example where we would find one point of view um, conflicting, and then you'd look at the numbers, and they 
weren't that big. And, yeah, right. You know, right, right there. <laughs> and we'd go through, yeah, and then you start realizing like, oh, okay, well, our recommendation's based off like 98 kids. Yeah. <laughs> a small little study. And like, what, is, what does that mean? And, and, um, and that's okay, right? Because right. at least we're identifying these things. And I think what we've done nicely is sort of identified the, the, the key questions. But I think that's a great example. My brain says, of course, we want to, I mean, with every sport and mechanics, you're optimizing movement and flow yeah. and flexibility and strength and cardiovascular and the fuel, the nutrition behind it. But, but, but you almost hear that over and over so many times that people kind of assume it has to be evidence-based, right? right? Dr. Heiderscheidt's up yeah. there stating something. He's, he's a badass, you know, like <laughs> I could be perfectly right. And, you know, and I sit there in the audience and I'm like, yeah, Brian said this, but then at least you're objective, right? Yeah. You take a pause and just say exactly. this. And, and that's, again, that's our, our challenge to this. So, um, so, yeah, I think for the that again for this alignment, this strength and stuff, we we got a lot of work to do. And 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 here's the biggest thing, right? Like, this this is hard research and needs funding. I mean, at yes. the end of the day, right? To build an infrastructure to follow those things. I guess my challenge to the audience is, you know, You're right. Jeff Bezos, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, we need money behind this in some capacity because. Um, hey, at the end of the day, we're trying to promote kids to exercise. Boy, there's yeah. so many benefits, but that's a bit of a tangent. But I think, I think that's the hard part of this. And at least we're providing a, a roadmap to, to, to uh, try and identify where we can go with this. I mean, the other area that, that jumped out in that was in regards to nutrition, right? Yeah. There's, there's wonderful concepts about uh, um, restrictive energy, reduced energy, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and the fact that bone mineral density can, can uh, and, and training can impact the risk of stress fractures in runners, right? Mm -hmm. There's some great work. Um, 1040's done, Kate Ackerman, these people who run this, who, who've looked at this, but, but we haven't distilled it down necessarily to the youth, youth athletes, especially the pre-adolescence athlete, right? Mm -hmm. When you think about how kids are growing, I mean, one of the, the, the baseline concepts I'd like to talk about is that that change from pre-adolescent to adolescent is interesting, right? There's this peak height velocity where kids mm -hmm. have the maximal change in their height, and that doesn't correspond with, with bone mineral um, content, right? There's sort of a mismatch. So there's this point where your body's expanding and going through. It's growing and muscles and nerves um, and bone and tendons are all growing at different rates and then our bone mineral content isn't quite where it is to adapt to that growth and yet then we have these kids who are running seven days a week yeah right yeah. and so we have this risk for stress, uh, stress fractures and there's some great studies i think of adam's studies that have shown kids who've had prior risk factors uh in regards to um um stress fractures or markedly increased risk for future stress fractures. Mm -hmm. And and so right within that comes then this this identifying energy use and, and the role that plays as well. So we have these great, whether it's the female athlete or reds kind of reduced mm -hmm. energy deficit camp you kind of live in, the thought is highlighting there's there's a variety of other factors that come in. But but the deficit we have in this is that it's not specific to youth runners. Mm -hmm. And so when we tried to challenge that we 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 kind of morphed a little bit more towards a narrative of like here are some great principles. It's so important to screen for these things because we know prior injury, history of prior injury, right? That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. We have good research to suggest depending upon what is going on, kids are at risk, right? It could be one mm -hmm. to 
two to seven to nine times more likely if you have a prior injury, the role of menstrual dysfunction and, mm -hmm. and uh, can play a role. But what's the optimal amount of nutrition? Well, that kind of varies a little bit per individual. Mm -hmm. And we haven't studied it to the extent we have. So we could throw out calories if girls need, you know, 2,500 calories during your season, boys need 3,000, but mm -hmm. you have to also morph that to the individual. And, and then what does that mean in regards to long-term health? What's the optimal amount for, for long-term health, performance, and prevention of injury? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there were so many really good pearls that came out of it and, and take-home messages out of the paper that it, or the work that I think will be really, really impactful. Um, so in terms of impactful, where, how, does this, how has this changed any of your research at all? I mean, are you, are you, do you have spin-off projects that are coming out of this work that you're planning on trying to fill some of these gaps, or where do you see your next work going? Yeah, well, I think that the, the biggest deficit right now for me in, in learning about all this is that most of the research is in this adolescent, right, these more mature yeah. teeners. And what we need is that kind of pubertal middle school to pre-adolescent uh, area. And I think um, that's where the focus is sort of going in regards to trying to get a database of injuries and understanding that group. Um, because, yeah, you know, it's a slightly different group. And, and mm -hmm. the, the challenge we have is, right, chronological age and developmental age mm -hmm. are, are two very different things. But as I alluded to before, it's a transition phase. And with that transition, I think, comes an oppor opportunity for injury or education. And so what we're going to start looking at is just trying to understand that cohort of group, those, those individuals, and really get a better sense of, you know, what are they doing? How much are they running? What kind of yeah. injuries are those middle school uh, kids getting? Um, There's some great programs, as you know, things like Students Run LA, where they, mm -hmm. they're incorporating younger kids to get in there, and they, and they have some information about the type of, you know, number of individuals who have, perhaps have pain. But that's a, it's a, a subset of individuals who kind of worked into a system. But, w w you know, what, what's happened in the United States? What's happening in Wisconsin, you know, with, with running in those middle school individuals? Because um, I think we're at a much earlier infant phase of understanding that group. I really don't think we have a great sense of what's going on. So, so that's what we're starting to explore is to figure out what, what is this group? you know, what's going on with this group, because then we could start connecting the dots towards that adolescence group, and then that pubertal or pre-adolescent group. What kind of injuries would, you know, are there, what are their risk factors for injury? What are their nutritional needs? Yeah. You know, what, what happens with specialization, right? Right. That's, we haven't even gone there yet. <laughs> so, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and we go to that airport. So, so that's where I think we're going to hopefully have some exciting information in the next few years. Oh, that's great. And, it, and definitely based on, uh, you know, in the review that you had conducted, that's probably the area of biggest gap, right? I mean, that's that's just, that's the middle school and younger is where it's even studied less. So, yeah. you know, some more of the information is at the high school level. Even there, it's not a heavy amount of information, but um, that tends to be more studied than middle school. So, I think that's a great great gap to fill for sure. Yeah. So, obviously, at the the summit that's coming up. Uh, in a couple of months, we're, we're going to get much more detail on exactly what you came up with on your recommendations and, and what you're thinking about. Is that the plan? 
Definitely. Yeah, I know. We've had a, I feel like we just gave a whole teaser right here, which, which we did. Hey, that's, uh, but that's, that's what right. I'm feeling like. I'm sitting here listening. I'm like, come on, come, come on, come on. I'm just waiting for all of you who've made it to the end, you know, <laughs> like I think, yeah. So our, my lecture really is going to provide, I think, what will be the latest and greatest on this, this consensus group work in identifying what do we really know in regards to evidence-based opportunities? Where's the strong evidence that supports? You want your teaser? I've already kind of alluded to, right? Kids who have a prior injury, there's a market increase of, of, of future injury in a kid who's had a prior injury. Is Does it surprise you? No. But, but, you know, we'll kind of tease out some of that data as well. What does that translate into? Well, then, right, those preseason screenings, those opportunities to screen these kids, it becomes a, an important element. We talked a little bit about bone fracture. So, um, but there's other things where it's dogma, but when you look at the, you know, there's limited evidence. We, you know, we found some things that really were just not supported as, as well. And then there, we alluded to some of the conflicting things, right? And this is where I think the summit's going to be great because we're going to, we're going to, it's always the conflict stuff that's kind of, yeah, right? right? Like that's where I like the experts to go through. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, you know, I, I encourage everyone to kind of listen in as we sort of present these, the, the, this framework that we just discussed in a little bit more evidence and depth to, to that to provide some thoughts about what makes sense, you know, to start practicing evidence-based medicine, which is we all try to do, um, but to clarify what that evidence is so that we can then move forward with providing the right care and the right future research to answer those knowledge gaps. No, that's perfect. So for our listeners, in the meantime, while we're waiting for the summit to hit, if you want to take a look at one of uh, Dr. Krabeck's more recent papers, this was about a year ago, uh, in Current Sports Medicine Report, uh, entitled Youth Distance Running Strategies for Training and Injury Reduction. Um, it's a good narrative review over a lot of the literature that was conducted before the consensus uh, uh, panel was convened but it gives a nice overview of a lot of the key concepts that ultimately led to the development of the consensus work. Um, and so the link to that will be available at, at the podcast website where you can take a look. Uh, and from there, it'll take you to the abstract that's on PubMed. So um, definitely take a peek at that just to, uh, to see what um, some of the, the literature currently is showing. All right, Brian, anything else? I know we've taken a lot of your time today already. Um, any key points to leave for our listeners? I think that you've summarized them pretty well, but you know, you being from University of Washington, I'm assuming you want to say something about the Huskies. I don't know. I just, uh, I just want to give you that opportunity. You know, Brian, I would never do that Huskies rule. Um, and <laughs> while we were talking, Badgers, uh, maybe not. Um, but I, you know, I think, you know, let's distill this back, right? We evidence. I, it's an interesting time and people are trying to figure out how to move. And I think, you know, as children are growing up, it, we want people to exercise and move, right? You could go ahead and read my paper, but don't be running at the same time because that'll lead to injury. But I, I, I guess my last thought to leave everyone with is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this is all about exercise and development and self-confidence and, and um, let let your child direct all this as where it's going. And if it happens to be someone who's interested in running, you know, provide the support, 
get out of their way a little bit beyond driving them back and forth to practice maybe, uh, but give them the right resources, right? The, the, um, it's, I like to say a child-directed adult-protected sometimes, just meaning like that let the child move this. And if it's someone who's really excel- excelling in this, you know, make sure they're not doing too much to get into trouble. And, and there's going to be some areas where there'll be challenges in regards to injury or nutrition and just be sensitive to those. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're tr- promoting play for kids to move. We want exercise 60 minutes per day for, per kid, 150 minutes per adult per week, and, and model that and enjoy this time you might have with your child to go outside and run. It's kind of a crazy world right now, but mm-hmm. you know what? You can you can go outside and run, you know, you can keep distance. Um and and there's so many health benefits to that that um this let's just kind of remember it, right? There's gonna be sunny days and you can go out for a walk and a run and life will be there okay. You there you go. Well said. Thanks, Brian. Again, thank you so much for taking the time today to join us. Yeah, thanks always, for always fun me. having you back. Yeah. Oh, always. Brian. Yeah, thank you very much. Always fun. I look forward to getting together. Um, yes. Of course, if it's going to be like the 400th episode and stuff, I might be <laughs> a little bit slower, but hey, I'm okay with that. I'm here. I guess I've been around since the start of the Olympics in yeah. the 1700s. So. Yeah, you've been a long time. Uh, yeah. I have no doubt you'll still be putting out good research by then anyway. So. <laughs> Try my best. We all uh, to you and uh, have a great day. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. On behalf of my co-host, Jeremy Stoker, we'd like to thank you for tuning in. And as a reminder, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, Registration for the 2020 Mountland Running Summit is open, so check it out online um, and make it certainly easy for you to access it from your home or office or from your phone, wherever you're going to be. So check it out at summit.mlrehab.com. As always, you can find more information on all the running medicine resources offered by Mountland Physical Therapy at mlrehab.com slash run. We'll see you next time. This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Exercises that are safe and appropriate for some people may not be for you. No treatment program should be undertaken without first consulting your physical therapist or physician. The contents of this podcast is protected under United States copyright laws and may not be reproduced, redistributed, transmitted, displayed, published, or broadcast without prior written permission of Mountainland Physical Therapy.